Today's episode of the Grind Hours podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, use my code GRINDHOUR at checkout to get $20 off your first purchase, whether that's NBA, NHL, NFL playoff pushes is rolling around. Dayton, you could use this to go see your Saints in in New Orleans for a playoff game. Whatever you're into, use my code to get $20 off. Get in the building. It's a lot of fun. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. All right. I got Dayton Brown back on the line. It's been a while. Some would say way too long. Your Saints are, that's a whole different podcast. We, we, we haven't even announced why we're here and why, I mean, the podcast came together within a couple of minutes, uh, a couple of nights ago. I said, we have to talk about this and you, you were totally down for it. If you've been living under a rock, LeBron and Dwayne Wade played their last game against each other for their respective careers with Wade retiring at the end of the season. And there was a viral video or a video that went viral of LeBron talking to Wade after the game, saying it was either here or the garden. And that got a lot of people up in arms. Knicks fans were on the ledge with the fact that they could have had LeBron. What is your opinion on this date? And before I get into this conspiracy theory and why the coverage around this is completely false and wrong. Are we sure he was talking about the, the Madison Square Garden, or he, he could have been talking about you know, the Boston Garden? Uh, no, yeah, he obviously totally meant the uh, uh, Madison Square Garden. First off, I just want to say I want to I came on this podcast what, maybe five or six times last year talking about where LeBron may go, and you remember what I said every single time we talked about LeBron to the Lakers. I would say I'm not buying it. I don't think he's going to Los Angeles. I think where he wants to go. It's somewhere where he can create the best legacy that franchise has seen. Uh, obviously, he's the best player in Cleveland Cavaliers history, probably. You know, it's not even probably, for sure, Cleveland sports history, period. And he's arguably the best player to don a Miami Heat jersey. Even though he only won two chips there, Dwayne Wade will probably going to go down as the greatest Miami Heat of all time. Uh, and and uh, obviously Shaq. Uh, one of the best players ever also donned a Miami Heat uniform. But I think LeBron is going to go down, or currently right now is the best player to, to, to wear a Miami Heat jersey ever. So I, I was always thinking he was going to go somewhere. His legacy would, would be pumped up with a lesser team and where he can eventually finish as maybe the best player in that franchise or, or not have to compete with another or multiple players' legacy is kind of how it's happening right now in Los Angeles. He's being compared... Uh, a lot to, obviously, you know, Kobe Bryant's time, Magic Johnson's time. Not so much as I was thinking, obviously. It's more so what's going on with Blue One. And obviously, they're doing pretty well so far this year. Uh, they, they've bounced back from some, you know, early season learning struggles and whatnot. But um, little did I know, it seemed like it was really down to the two biggest franchises, the, with, with the, with, or the two of the three biggest franchises with the most history in the NBA, the New York Knicks and the Los Angeles Lakers. Maybe you throw in the Boston Celtics, who knows? But I, I, I just want to say I was absolutely wrong about uh, my, I guess, radar on LeBron and, and, and where he would possibly go. Um, 
I, I, I was thinking the opposite of what would really happen. Uh, turns out he wanted to go to a, a superstar, blockbuster, big market team. Uh, obviously, he, he's on the Lakers now and, and the Knicks. So, but very, very interesting. And, and like I was just saying, what a subtle way of, of pretty much revealing that, hey, I almost went to the Knicks. It was either, it was either the Knicks or the Lakers, baby. It was, and, and, and just so casual, just throws it out there. So, yeah, I'm, surprised, I'm actually surprised it wasn't talked about more when it happened. Um, but... Actually, let me get into this first. I, for two years, basically, were, were saying LeBron's going to the Lakers. Everything points that LeBron's going to the Lakers. And right. subliminally, now that I was drawn to think that way because of everything that LeBron did leading up to him signing with the Lakers. But the reason why I think... This conspiracy theory holds water that I'm about to just spew out to the world here is because of a tweet by Brian Windhorst. Now, Windhorst has said countless times on numerous platforms, don't take the words that he says for gospel. I, however, am going to do this for, I'm going to do this one exception. That, the tweet that he said on replying to Wobe saying that it was either here or the Knicks, and after the way that Phil Jackson treated Mello, he was going to L.A., but he was probably going to go to L.A. regardless. And LeBron doesn't say anything for no reason. He's LeBron James. He knows that every single thing that he says is going to be put under the microscope and is going to be dissected to the deepest extent. So the, he clearly said this for a reason. There were cameras everywhere because there's been cameras everywhere on LeBron since he was 15 years old. So this was said for a reason. And the reason why I think that this cuts me so deep is because the banana boat is my number one conspiracy obsession with the NBA. It is the number one thing that I want to see happen. And 2017 was the year it was going to happen. Uh-huh. 2015, the four of them, Mello, Chris Paul, Wade, and LeBron go on this trip, and Gabrielle Union dons at the banana boat trip. So that was in 2015. And I have a feeling that 2017 was talked about on that trip. The reason being... LeBron had an option for 2017 following the 2016 finals. Wade had a player option to, that he could um, extend or go into free agency with the Bulls in 2017. Uh-huh. Chris Paul 
if you remember, was traded from the Clippers yeah. to the Rockets in 2017. On the same day, Phil Jackson was fired from the Knicks. That's June 28, 2017. Mere hours apart, Phil Jackson gets fired and Chris Paul gets traded to the Rockets. That seems like an eternity to go. Fast forward like forever. just over two months later, Melo gets traded to the Thunder. Now, here's the reason why I think that Phil Jackson has doomed the Knicks for all of eternity and has personally wronged me with not being able to live out the fantasy that is the banana boat. Phil Jackson made some obscene comments about Carmelo before... He was fired before Melo was traded. If those comments aren't made, the Knicks have the opportunity in 2017 to get all four guys under one roof with Christoph Sporzingis. It matches out. The Knicks had enough cap space, willing that they did this trade to get Chris Paul. Courtney Lee, a signing trade with Tim Hardaway, Nilakina and two first-round picks to the Clippers for Chris Paul, who signed a one-year deal for $24 million. If you average out their salaries between the three of those guys and the the two the two-round pick the first the first-round picks, it's about even. That's a conceivable. Who says no to that trade, Dayton? Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., Nilakina, and two first-round picks for Chris Paul. No, it wasn't even the Rockets. He was on the Clippers. The Rockets wouldn't have made the trade. He would have been traded to the Knicks no, 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 right. from the Clippers. doesn't happen. The Knicks don't sign Ennis Canner for $17 million. They use that money to get either way to LeBron, and then they use, because James Dolan is a billionaire and doesn't care about the luxury tax, they'd still technically be under the luxury tax to get the other guy. So we could be sitting here today with a team that consists of Chris Paul, Dwayne, Le- Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, and Christoph Sporzingis. That team's going to the finals every single year. And that team against a Durant, Curry, Clay, Draymond Warriors team would be fantastic. And it would make this boogie signing even more substantial. 
Everything in the modern NBA would have changed completely if Phil Jackson didn't wrong Carmelo Anthony. Ever, and I might just be a lonely conspiracy theorist that has no nothing better to do than to think that a 2015 boat trip to the Bahamas schemed up a possibility to go to the Knicks in 2017. I the, there's no reason why that there actually there has to be a reason why all four players had the possibility of shifting teams in 2017. Uh huh. Uh huh. There has to, there had to be a reason Chris Paul wanted to get out of Los Angeles. I get there's something in the locker room, but there also had to be other things previously put in place that Paul wanted to take care of. That's the year. And everyone's saying, oh, well, the Knicks could have got him this year. No, I, I think all the coverage circling around this year is completely wrong. I think set 20, last year was the, uh, was the year that everything was going to move. And when Phil Jackson just threw Carmelo Anthony under the bus, LeBron was like, okay, plan's off. Let's go to plan B. I'm going to go to L.A. But you can't, right. you can't sit here and say that LeBron in L.A. would not be the single greatest story of this millennium. He would own New York like nobody had before. And that team is the greatest collection of talent in New York sports history in the modern era. Easily. 100%. Easily. And LeBron has said this before, and countless other people in the media have said this before, that the NBA is better when the Knicks, Lakers, and Celtics are all good. Right now, I mean, granted, who knows what would have happened with the Lakers. Paul George might have went to... L.A. because Melo would not have been there in 17, so that whole trajectory could have changed. It could be Lonzo and Paul George in L.A., which is a decent team, and they would probably make the playoffs and make some noise there, but New York and Boston would be rocking right now. Oh, yeah. Plus, that makes it, that might even switch the uh, Kyrie trade around. Yeah, would Kyrie even end up on... Right, would he end up on the Celtics? At that point? I mean... I, I Because that's the question. Do, do the Cavaliers make that Kyrie move if LeBron isn't on the team at that time? Does Kyrie even want out of Cleveland? Is he, he, he probably still doesn't mind playing in Cleveland if LeBron is gone by that point, right? So there's no trade request to, to the Cavaliers front office to, to go to a different team. There's no tension between him and, a, and another star player. Uh, there's, uh, but at, at the same time, that that might draw, that that I think would have drove Boston to make maybe even a bigger move or still go after Kyrie um, with with the Knicks being right there competing and they know they have the young core. I mean that that's the whole reason they made the move for Kyrie in the, in the first place. I mean they were lucky he was just so happy to be there for them and, and, and now after everything it's they, they won the trade. They they really just traded some scraps for him. Um and, and at that point we really didn't know. Uh we all thought, you know, Cleveland had won the won the Kyrie trade at that point. Um so yeah, no, there's strong possibility at that point Kyrie wouldn't wouldn't have ended up on the team. Um very strong possibility that New York is better than Golden State. I mean, year in and year out, if they're able to play consistently at the level they are, and they and they move 
the ball around well. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about New York winning the championship back to back to back, most likely. Um, and, and it's also really interesting because I just pulled up the tweet from obviously the Phil, the whole Phil Jackson, uh, the one tweet that really got the, the cryptic tweet that showed his true colors there with Mellow New York. Uh, he, he tweeted on February seventh, twenty seventeen. This was what seven months before Mellow was officially traded. Uh, Bleacher's Ding, and he's talking about, I, I believe it was uh, Kevin Ding, uh, an article he wrote for Bleacher Report. Bleacher's Ding almost rings the bell, but I learned you don't change the spot on a leopard with Michael Graham in my DBA day. Essentially saying, uh, the article by Kevin Ding pretty much calling out Carmelo Anthony uh, is, is accurate, but at the same time, Melo has been in this league long enough to the point where I know I'm not going to be able to change the way he plays, the way he thinks. Um, or anything like that. Little did you know, I mean, Mello ends up being a bench player in both OKC and Houston. Doesn't work out for either one, but he does eventually change his ways and, and becomes a, a worse player over time, uh, partially due to that. But uh, as, as the president of basketball operations, the, the, the power that Phil Jackson had on the Knicks, you don't make tweets like that. And, and for LeBron to have to deal with Dan Gilbert over, I mean, this, this almost makes me think, maybe Dan Gilbert's not as bad as we think. I mean, I, I hate Dan Gilbert. I think he's an awful owner in the way that he treated LeBron both when he left and, and during his second stint with the Cavaliers. It's just absolutely awful. But at the same time, if, if, if the way Phil Jackson tweeted, or treated Mello turned LeBron away, yet the way Dan Gilbert tweeted LeBron himself and turned him away from Cleveland really makes you think, Maybe there was more behind the scenes with Phil Jackson going on with Melo, because obviously LeBron knew the entire scoop behind the scenes with what happened with Melo and the Knicks and all this stuff. I mean, they're best friends. So the whole the whole situation is very interesting now that all this news is coming out. It really makes you think: Was there more going on there in New York? I mean, obviously we all kind of suspected maybe there was something else, but to this extreme where where LeBron doesn't want to go to the Knicks, complete that banana boat, and and instead stays with the owner that wrote a letter proclaiming him to be to be dead to the city of Cleveland, essentially, um, makes, it, makes you think a lot. It's, uh, and, and I think this further tarnishes Phil Jackson. Uh, oh, without no, with, 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 no question. With, yeah, with, yeah it, it, especially to the, because growing up, I mean, and, and, and you can relate to this too, I, 10, you know, 10, 11 years ago, still, still coaching the Lakers, and, and to us, not being able to fully watch, uh, you know, as, as millennials, we weren't able to actually watch the Bulls win those six consecutive, or uh, those two three-peats, win those six championships in the 90s. I, I didn't realize for, for the longest time that that was also Phil Jackson who coached the Bulls back then, and, and that moment of realization for me was, holy cow, Phil Jackson's absolute legend. What he's been able to do with the Lakers, what he's been able to do with the, with the Bulls back then, I had no idea. I wasn't able to watch it. So uh, to us, he was just a, a legend one of the best coaches ever, arguably the best coach of all time. And now to people coming up in the basketball world now, they look at Phil Jackson and go, yeah, he, he, he kind of effed the Knicks over. And that's what he's going to be remembered for by a lot of people going into the future of this. So absolutely just tarnishes his, his legacy and his image further. Uh, and, and again, it really makes you think, what, what more happened? Because obviously what he did on the surface level was bad, but what more happened to turn LeBron away from him and stay with Uncle Dan Gilbert? I just, if you're Phil Jackson, and if you're the Knicks in general, the number one 
the number one thing on your agenda should be how do we get LeBron James? He is the biggest star in the game. We are the biggest market in the country. If we get LeBron here, it would be basketball euphoria. It would truly become a basketball town again. Nothing else would matter because LeBron would be here and everybody would be talking about it. The Nets would be irrelevant in the ugly stepchild. They'd be the Clippers by 10,000 in New York if LeBron was here. Yankees-Mets wouldn't matter. Jets-Giants wouldn't matter. It'd be a solely Knicks town. And if LeBron would win a title here, are you kidding me? He would instantly become the best player in the history of the NBA because of the magnitude and the microscope that New York draws with it. And if you win a title in New York, you're immortalized forever. So... So I get the draw from him. And you're right. What? How bad could it have been if that's on the plate for LeBron and he says, you know what? No, I'm going to pass. I'm going to go to L.A. Like that moment in his legacy would trump everything else if he were to come to the Knicks. And if you're, the, if you're Knicks fans, I think you got to look back on Phil Jackson and say he not only put us through the mud while he was here, we didn't know about this stuff, and that's 10 times worse. Because even if you don't get Chris Paul, I still think you get Dwayne Wade, I still, and you obviously get LeBron. If Phil Jackson doesn't make those comments about Melo and plays nice. And if you're Phil Jackson, you have Carmelo Anthony on your team. You obviously know at some point that LeBron has some interest in coming to this team. Why don't you just uh-huh. shut up and make sure it happens? Because if Phil Jackson ushered in LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul with Carmelo Anthony, all of a sudden his bad rap in New York is completely flipped on its head and he continues to become the legend that he's always been in, in the eyes uh-huh. of the NBA. So everything about this completely changes the entire landscape of or the entire landscape of the of the modern NBA. And who even knows what happens with Durant? Does he stay in Golden State if LeBron does? Yeah, does he stay in Golden State if LeBron goes to New York and wins the title? Right. Because that that not. that was the whole thing with with Durant going to the Warriors. He wanted a better brand of basketball and he wanted to win a title. So if LeBron beats the Warriors back to back years with Durant on the team now, what happens there? I mean, this is an entire, it just opens countless cans of worms here because that's who LeBron is. That's what he does. That's why he's the best player in my mind in the history of the game because everything that he does changes everything about the game of basketball. Right. And and, and especially popping off what you're just saying, saying about I mean, what, what would happen to the, what would happen with with Jimmy Butler in Chicago? I mean, where would he go? I don't right. Know, well, well, I mean, I I don't know if he'd be traded to Minnesota. I bet you he'd be traded to uh, Rockets, maybe. I mean, a, a team who's really fine. He probably ends up back in the East Coast. He he probably goes to Philadelphia a little bit sooner at that point, right? If the Knicks are competing in the East, um, and then with, with the trade happy NBA that that's going on right now, I think a lot of people would. I I Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis could have went to the Celtics. I mean, if, if that's the case, they, they could have pulled a, a big, big move like that. But 
yeah, the, the impact. And I'm what happens with Kawhi? What would exactly what would happen with Kawhi? I mean, he's in the East now, but does he could he have went to the Warriors maybe? If, if Lakers, say Durant leaves, and, or, or the Lakers, right? Exactly. No, Celtics. I, I, I know the Lakers probably make more sense there. But how how trade happy this league is to continue to compete? LeBron goes to that big market over in the East, the the, the Knicks, and, and and wins continuously. I mean, that just exemplifies it. That 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 increases the the amount of trades to be better. I think in my exponentially. And it also creates a lot of what-if situations. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's part of the re- – I mean, LeBron has not just all the power on the court. Where, wherever he goes, uh, uh, it'll create some sort of ripple in the NBA. Uh, and, that, and that's what I love. The, the, that's the beauty about uh, today's NBA with free agency and, and uh, the, um, you know, crazy amount of trades that are going on. And, and to go back on what you were saying about, you know, Phil Jackson should have known that obviously Melo and LeBron – there's some inclination there that they want to play together. He also should have known Dwayne Wade and LeBron. I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade went to the Cavs simply for LeBron. There's no other reason Dwayne Wade would ever play for the Cleveland Cavaliers if LeBron wasn't on that team. So if LeBron goes to New York, Dwayne Wade's going to sign a vet minimum at the very least for, for the Knicks to play with them. I mean, it, it would have been a done deal. The only difficult part then is, like you were saying, trying to get Chris Paul, and even then it's, it's not so difficult when you have all three there already. So, yeah, Phil Jackson totally squandered that one. And it's unfortunate because I would have loved to see that. That would have been fantastic to see a big market like the like the Knicks come back because they're, they're the second-worst team in the East currently this season. Uh, or, excuse me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or top, bottom five in the East, at least. Um, they've, they've been flirting with uh, 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 being one of the worst uh, there in the East the entire season. The past couple of years, they have not been good. And obviously, Christoph Porzingis has been hurt for a while. But, um I think that's really the only good thing Phil Jackson did in his career uh, with the Knicks was was drafting Kristaps. So uh, yeah, he, he, he squandered he squandered some big opportunities there to complete that banana boat. And everything that he does after that with with LeBron there, I mean, there's no question that LeBron is the player, general manager, and coach of of a team when he goes there. So even if you're upset with Phil Jackson. LeBron now becomes your GM in, in a sense, and every move after he gets there, he has some say in it, and that's what star players do. To to say that the general manager does everything on his own and he's a third party is ridiculous. If you have a basically another planet on your team the way that LeBron is, you have to run it by him. So. And if LeBron doesn't like Phil Jackson, you know what? James Dolan is going to listen to LeBron over Phil Jackson. And if he doesn't, then James Dolan might be gone, quite honestly. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. And there is, and I'll, t- I'll say this, there is nothing better in the world of basketball than a ecstatic and excited and electric Madison Square Garden. There is nothing better for the game. Not LeBron going to the Lakers, not the Warriors winning seven championships in a row, or the Boston Garden rocking. There's a reason why Madison Square Garden is called the Mecca of basketball, because that is the best arena in this country. And to have LeBron be the star on Broadway every single night, the, the amount of money that the Knicks would make 
not only on ticket sales, but TV revenue and just national media attention alone would be astronomical. It would be 10 times what it is in LA because there's a thousand things to do in LA. There's only one, there's only really one thing to do in New York when it's cold in December. Let's go to Knicks games and Nets games if you're a Nets fan. But, and, and, and the thing, the, also the thing there, I 100% agree with you. On top of all that, the Knicks last won its championship in 1970, what was it, 1978? 78 or 79. 78, 79. The last time the Lakers won a chip was, oh yeah, nine years ago. They won it with Kobe. They won it in this century. The Knicks haven't won in over 40, almost 50, or now approaching uh, 40 years. It's, it's approaching 40 so, years. It, it's absolutely so that that in and of itself alone, LeBron, if, he, if he's able to, I mean, and 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 again, it, 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 I don't think it would have would have been as easy exactly as you're saying. I still think the Warriors would have been a damn, damn good team. They would have they would have had to go through some uh, you know learning curves there. No, I agree. Ball, kind of like, but at the same time, I mean, you give it one year at the very, I mean, they could win the chip in the first year too. You give them one year after that, they could win back to back to back titles, like I was saying, resurrecting New York basketball for 40 years. I, at that point, it was about 35, or, or still close, close to 40. 40 years of, of not having a championship, not even getting close. I mean, the closest they got to the finals was back in the 90s. That, 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 that in and of itself makes that. Uh, legacy for LeBron over in New York way more substantial than, than in LA. I just, he's the talk of the town. He, the Knicks ticket instantly becomes gold. If you have Knicks season tickets, you basically have a, a ticket to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. It just makes the NBA better. And to be deprived of this, even if it's just LeBron and Mello, LeBron in New York would be unlike anything else, and I'm kind of upset that I don't get to see that. Even though I'm not a Knicks fan, when the Knicks are good, New York City is different. I don't know how to explain it. There's something about a relevance Knicks team that makes this city better. And... I mean, maybe Porzingis will deliver that in the next couple of years, but who knows? But And that's the other thing. Porzingis would still be on this team. To have the four of those guys and Porzingis running the five, I mean, just imagine what that would look like on yeah. the court. Yeah. We're talking about all this stuff off the court. Just imagine what that brand of basketball would look like on the court with those four guys and Porzingis. Yeah. And so, I mean, Paul at the one, Wade at the two – Mellower, LeBron at three, four, doesn't matter. They switch on and off. Porzingis at five. First off, you have athleticism there with LeBron, Wade, Porzingis. Shooting with LeBron, Wade, uh, LeBron, Paul, Porzingis, a little bit of Wade. Mello, if, I mean, if they run some nice plays from, I don't know how well Mello would have done uh, after watching the last couple of years. Of basketball. Well, his, but, his decline is... Just overshadowed by LeBron. He doesn't have to yeah. be Carmelo That's Anthony true. anymore. He could, in a way, transform to that hoodie mellow that we all thought he was going to be. Yeah. And that Olympic mellow. Yeah, he does fantastic during uh, pickup games, 
and all-star games when he's having fun. He's going to have a lot of fun playing with LeBron, Wade, and probably, you know, he's going to be having the time of his life playing It's with an somebody. all-star game yeah, every no, single time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, but, no, the possibilities for that, and then he, at, at, that, at that point, your, your bench is going to be filled with a bunch of young guys because of, of the amount of draft picks you're able to get over the years. Um, some of the you get a lot of vet, a lot of players are gonna want to play with them. You get a lot of vet minimum contracts. Could could have gotten guys like uh, PJ Tucker, right? It changed. Trevor Trevor Ariza, you know, guys who can all stretch the floor, come off the bench, and be really good for your team. That changes the wrap around New York about not wanting to play here, and that yeah, whole conversation yeah. that we that I've had over the course of the past two years of why would anybody want to come to New York completely changes with LeBron here. I mean, this is the biggest story in the NBA this far this season, and it doesn't really seem like it. And it's, it was—it's been a fun season so far too. Like a lot has gone on. And, and right. This is, this is definitely the biggest talking point. No, there's nothing bigger than this. Not the Durant, Draymond thing, because that, that seems that was- like four years ago at this point. The Warriors are back to what they were. I mean, could you talk about Kawhi in uh, Toronto? I mean, sure, but that doesn't really sound that great anymore. They look like they play better with him off the floor, which is insane. Right. And, I mean, Kawhi is also, you know, no no offense to him, fantastic guy, fantastic player least boring or most boring least interesting superstar by far we have in the league so i mean there's only so much you can really get out of Kawhi. but when you see him play on the court and then you see uh the story of the raptors in and of itself i'm, I'm very surprised by how well they're i knew they were going to be a good team i didn't know they were going to be this damn good um and some of the improvement of uh, some of their players um look at lowry this good. year uh-huh doing a whole lot better and that's what happens when, when your number one guy on the team is a very, very good two-way player instead of a, and, and I love DeMar DeRozan, but instead of a mid-range shooting specialty guy who, 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 who has athletic stuff here and there. That's, that's what happens when you change it to a fantastic two-way player as opposed to, you know, like a guy who thrives on one-on-one mid-range dunking. Um, so, yeah, no, that, I mean, Raptors are a good story. Uh, the Lakers improving, I, I think, are very interesting. Um, but it's a, little, it's a little too early in the NBA season to fully make any uh, uh, huge assumptions about uh, teams and the, the rest of the season. So I, I think that's partially why there, there's not too many uh, uh, bold stories going on. Is you really have to look between the lines, like with the Kevin Durant and Draymond Green situation, that was more of a personal matter between two teammates and that carried on outside of what happened on the court. Uh, and you just don't see a whole lot of stories going on right now. I mean, was number one of the top five trending uh, moments on Twitter last night wasn't wasn't the Hornets game winner. It was Michael Jordan slapping Malik Monk on the head <laughs> for getting that technical. And that's that's the biggest story because it has it doesn't have much to do with actually what's happening on the court. It's you know uh, relations between uh, an owner and a player, or in the Durant Green situation, a player and another player and stuff like that. So. Uh, when we start getting stuff like that, that's where the stories really come out. Uh, so uh, I, I think I think that's part of the reason why this uh, LeBron to New York type thing is uh, so huge right now. 
just wrapping this podcast up because we did want to do an NBA. I do want to get into a couple of NBA storylines here. I want your opinion on the Nuggets, and do you think that they actually have what it takes to make it far in the in the postseason? I do, um, especially since I mean they're they're still playing well with with players out. Gary Harris missed some time. Uh, Paul Millsap is currently out. Uh, you got a couple other guys. Seeing that Will Barton has been out for majority of the year, I think he's going to make his comeback um, here, here pretty soon. But the Nuggets, the thing about first off, Nikola Jokic is definitely top five center in the league. He's a freak. I think he, he's an absolute. You don't. And we, we, I mean, we call Kristaps Porzingis the unicorn, but even he can't do what Jokic is doing night in night out. It's the vision Jokic has, and I also think. Um, it's the, I guess, freedom that uh, the Nuggets head coach, Mike Malone, is giving to Jokic to be able, because he understands how well his position is. He understands he can get the ball to, and, and, and it helps that the Nuggets have a lot of really good shooters on that team as well. Um, it, 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 so, I, you know, you got to tip your cap off to uh, Mike Malone there and, and, and Denver, understanding what Jokic can do on the floor. Now, the, the West Coast is not as tough as a as – a, it's definitely tougher than the East. Not, not as tough as I was thinking, but Nuggets are number one right now. After that, I mean, you have a lot of teams with uh, uh, that are just kind of middle of the pack, and that goes all the way until you get to 15. The 15th team – or, excuse me, the 14th team in the Western Conference are the Houston Rockets. They're 12 and 14. That's, that's really damn good to be 12 and 14 and yet be at this point in the season and, and be uh, the second to worst team in your conference. So – it's a whole lot of uh, you know, middle-of-the-pack teams competing for all these playoff spots. And there you have Denver, nine games above 500, uh, right there with Golden State, right there with OKC, which, by the way, OKC has been uh, on fire ever since they started. What was it, 06, 07, whenever they started. But, no, to, to answer your question, I definitely think Denver, because uh, they've been really impressive teams. They, they scored 105 against the Grizzlies um, a couple nights ago, which not a lot of teams are able to do against Memphis and, and their really good defense. Um, and they, they, they just play their brand of basketball, but they're able to adjust to whoever they're playing. And I really like that about this team because, they, like I said, they have the shooting, and once they're fully healthy, yeah, I definitely think they, they can make a, a deep run in the playoff. Um, it just depends on where they like. I, I, I predict that they'll finish with the third seed in the West, and they have a very strong chance of making it to the Western Conference Championship at this point. If, they, if they're able to get back to being healthy and stay healthy, uh, the sky's the limit for them, and I think the three seed will will suit them because I think the Warriors will eventually rise, and one other team um, will, will will probably sneak by um, Denver. We'll we'll see who that is. Not sure if it's OKC. Not sure if it's the Clippers, who have surprised me immensely, but it'll be interesting. But you know, uh, Denver for sure. I think they have the talent, they have the coaching, um, and they have the play style to make part in the Western Conference. One point that you didn't make was Isaiah Thomas is still on this team, so he um, he can revert back to his Boston days. Yeah, I couldn't see him. That's why I forgot about him. <laughs> I like uh, I like the Clippers too. Um, I think the Rockets will make it and get it right and be somewhere in the five six range. Out of these three teams in the West, who do you think falls off? Utah, the Clippers, or the Kings? I'm, so, I'm going to go with a team 
that I really didn't think was going to struggle as much this year. I'm going to go with Utah. Uh, the, the reason, be, I mean, Sacramento, they don't have they, – they have chips on their shoulder, but they don't really have anything to really prove. I mean, obviously they want to go out there and play their brand of basketball and be good and show that they're not, you know, the, the bottom five Western Conference team they've been the past however many – the last decade, really. But with guys like De'Aaron Fox, Willie Cauley-Stein stepping into their own, um, and, and a whole bunch of other guys uh, on that team. Then you look at Utah, and maybe, I mean, was last year a fluke? I, I, they, they've kept just about the same amount of players. Joe Ingles has just fallen off a little bit. Donovan Mitchell, again, runner-up in Rookie of the Year, had Ben Simmons you know, not been eligible for, for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Donovan Mitchell would have easily won. But his game is a lot of isolation basketball, uh, and and you gotta be you have, you have to be a really really good shooter. You have to be almost Steph Curry range to be able to do the amount of one on one that Donovan Mitchell does. And he lived off going into the paint and driving. And when that's not working out for you, when you're not you know putting on your best Giannis Antetokounmpo impression night in and night out, you're gonna struggle sometimes, and especially if you know you're uh, just a combo guard like uh, Mitchell is, uh, and, and you're, you're not a freak athlete like, like Giannis. So I think Utah's going to fall off. I love their defensive mentality. The, Quinn Snyder's a fantastic head coach. Rudy Robert is on my uh, fantasy team, and he's been killing it so far for me, as he does almost every year. But uh, Ricky Rubio is, is questionable. Uh, last year, he, he came out and he performed really well. Now he just has up-and-down nights. Uh, Joe Ingles is not shooting at the pace that, or at the rate that he was the past couple years uh, uh, for the Utah Jazz. They're still able to put up a good amount of points. Uh, I think that they average in the 100 and, and all, close to the 110 points per game range. But they also give up uh, uh, a lot of points. They gave up 122 to the, to the Thunder the other day. Um, that, that's some defensive stuff that they weren't really doing a whole lot last year. Uh, but, they, again, they're able to score 139 points here, 122 points here. Um, but... It, it, they, they're just falling off. And, and out of those three teams, I like Sacramento. Uh, and obviously, like I said, I like the Clippers too. Um, even though I, I, I – the Clippers are still a question mark though. Just because I, I've never fully believed in Doc Rivers and his ability to lead teams actually uh, far in the playoffs. He's, he's, he's only won one championship in the many years he's coached. And that was with, you know, he had, he had, a, he had a grind one out with the Boston three party. Um, but <laughs> I, I still really like the, the, the Clippers and Tobias Harris and Boban Arnjanovic and um, some of these other guys on the team. But, yeah, out of those three teams, I, I'd, say, I'd say Utah is going to fall off. I'm not too keen to – Sacramento is on fire right now, and I have De'Aaron Fox on my fantasy team, and he's just killing it on, on a nightly basis. I don't know yet. They aren't proven to me yet. I, Houston or Utah, they're struggling right now. They might be able to hang on to an eight seed somewhere here soon. So I would bet money on, on the Kings, but I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong because I like De'Aaron yeah. Fox. I like Kali Stein. I like Buddy Heald. He's came alive for them and, and come to his own in Sacramento. Initially, people thought one team had totally won 
it turns out he didn't uh, with the whole DeMarcus Cousins trade. Um, because now, I mean, he look, Cousins isn't in New Orleans anymore. He's, he's with the Warriors. Uh, Tyree, I think Tyree Gibbs is the other guy the Pelicans got. Um, and he's not there no, either. Sorry, Tyree Gibbs did go to Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was on, he was on both teams. But um, I don't, I don't think the other guy that the uh, Pelicans got the trade is even on the team anymore. But you get Buddy Heald uh, doing what he's doing. One of one of one of the better. Um, I guess, you know, young shooters in the league. Uh, he's changed his game a little bit, but he's still, you know, really a pure shooter. And they hit 19 three-pointers against Minnesota the other day. They're able to shoot the ball really well in a, in a, in a shooter's league. Um, and then uh, Iman Shumpert is starting for them. He's, he's, I mean, he's doing his defensively. Marvin Bagley Jr. Um, they have a lot of first-round picks there. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of lottery picks, too, on that team. So uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting team, for sure. Last question before we get out of here. I always ask you about the Trailblazers when I have you on. What duo in the backcourt lasts longer? Wall Beal or McCollum Lillard? I hope I hope Wall and Beal last longer. I Really? I'm, I'm, yeah, no, it, it, it's time. I've always said, I've come on this podcast and said, if, if we're going to trade anybody, I prefer to be McCollum, obviously, over Lillard, and I still feel that way. But I also had always said, I, I, I don't think this team, and th- this was last year and, and two years ago, I always said this team should not trade McCollum or Lillard. They need to put some you know better defensive guys around them, some two-way players that can play the three spot, uh, because Al Farouk Aminu, as good as he is for the team, as valuable as he is, he's not the he, – he's not – excellent at shooting he's not an excellent defender he's, he's a very good defender and he's a mediocre shooter it doesn't balance out well we need a guy who will balance it out better for us but i had always said i i i don't think we should trade either now after watching this team struggle yet again to begin a year i think it's time to make a move a big trade is coming mccollum had a very very good uh, night the other night he had nearly 40 points he shot very, very well. He shot over 50% or close to 50% from the floor. But Lillard is the leader of the team. Lillard's the better player overall. And McCollum does not – Lillard has at least improved his defense over the years. He, he was always, you know, scoffed at for his defense. Lillard has gotten exponentially better over the past three seasons. And, and, and this season he's really showing how, how good of a defender he can be. McCollum has not made really any improvements since he's came to the league at his defense. He's, he's lengthier than Lillard, too. You'd think that he'd be able to get some more steals, disrupt some more passing lanes, but he's not. And McCollum, again, another isolation guy, another one-on-one. Almost thrives purely off the mid-range, but he's been getting into the threes, and he's able to drive two with his length now. But I, I think it's time for McCollum to go. With Wall and Beal, it's really interesting because it, it seems like their chemistry had just absolutely fallen apart. But for some reason now, the Wizards are – Winning games are kind of bouncing back in a way, but uh, the tension there is still pretty high. For Portland, it's not. Um, yeah, Pacific Northwest, very laid back, very, very cool, monotone. Uh, so you're not really going to be hearing a lot of, you know, uh, tension between two of the star players. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think, I, think, I think it's time for, for the Blazers to see what, what they can get from McCollum. Um, the Wizards definitely have a worse record than the Blazers and in and, 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 and a weaker conference over in the East. But 
season, even though I, I don't I don't want to see either go. It's time for McCollum to go, in my opinion. And on Wallen Beal, it's very possible that one of them gets moved. But again, I think the team would go with trading the shooting guard, uh, Beal, over Wall. But I think it would be smarter to trade Wall than Beal because Wall, Wall, Wall's game just doesn't really translate well in today's NBA. He's a little bit, he, unless you're getting triple doubles every night like Russell Westbrook, he can't really play at the way that, that Wall plays head down trying to drive in. He's gotten better at shooting, obviously. But uh, I still don't think it translates well. So it'd be smarter to trade Wall, but I think either way the team would eventually defer to the shooting guard to trade. And like I said, I'm kind of hoping it's the Trailblazers because Column Lillard not really working out for this team. We, we need something more there. I'm completely surprised. I, I knew you were a little <laughs> you're a little upset with McCollum and what the team has done over the past couple of years, but I still thought you had hope in the, in this team. You know, I, I have some hope, but just not with the way the backcourt is going. It's frustrating, man. It's very frustrating to see this team year in and year out just have these terrible stretches of basketball. And it's not sandwiched—it's not sandwiched by great basketball either. It's sandwiched by a couple of winning streaks here and there. Overall, though, it's it's, it's mediocre basketball at best sometimes for this team. Obviously, third seed last year, but it, I mean, if you look at it, we were the seventh seed up until the last, I think, month of the season. Yeah, the last so month you guys went on an absolute tear. Lillard looked like an MVP candidate. Oh, absolutely! No, he did. Uh, and the United. At the same time, we have our rookies stepping up into their own this year. Zach Collins is, 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 is getting into his own groove. Uh, you have Anthony Simmons playing more minutes than I was thinking. You have guys that we needed to make improvements on, yet this team is not showing the improvement. We didn't have these, these weapons. I mean, Shabazz Napier, Ed Davis, who are now both on your, your net, were very important pieces for us last year. But I feel like we were able to replace them at least somewhat adequately with Seth Curry, who does just about the same exact things that Shabazz Napier can do, maybe on a little lesser level, but same idea. Uh, and then with Ed Davis going, Zach Collins is already coming into his own, and he plays about the same game that Ed Davis does. Um, but we need to get somebody else in there to help with Collins' development because Yusuf Nurkic is not helping. Myers Leonard is still developing himself. He's been in the league for eight seasons. So you need to move around some pieces. You can't continue uh, the best Blazers team we've seen recently that really revitalized basketball in Portland was in 2015 when the whole starting lineup was gutted Matthews West Matthews went to the Mavericks uh Rodney Lopez went to the Knicks uh obviously Lamar Aldridge went to the Spurs and then we had to trade Nick Batum uh, to get at least something back uh, to the Hornets but the we were able to sign out for I mean, we were able to get Mo Hartley they played big green Noah Vonley, Gerald Henderson. We were able to get all these pieces and revitalize this team. Now that we're playing with the same old song and dance year after year, ever since that happened, we've had just about the same guys year in and year out, uh, at least the same course. Lillard, McCollum, we traded Plumlee for Nurkic. That's been going on for the last couple of years. Aminu, Harkless, when he's healthy, has been part of the team. Some, something needs to change. McCollum, maybe maybe somebody like uh, you know Myers Leonard, Mo Harkless, Evan Turner. I would love to get his contract off the books, even though this is I, I think uh, I think this is the second to last year in contract, so not not sure how appealing it really is. But we need we need a, we need a three and D guy. We need a better power forward who can play some defense to help out Nurkic because Nurkic can have great offensive performances, but he gets tired out on the defense end, uh, which and I'm not excusing him. I I, I, I think 
for starting NBA centers that shouldn't be happening just so happens to, to be going on with Nurkic. But you can get a lot of pieces with McCollum if you trade him at this point. Um, and that gets a pretty fat contract off the books, too, for the future. So, yeah, uh, you shouldn't be surprised that I'm saying this because uh, all along I've been saying the team would be okay with both of them in the backcourt. But I've come to my senses. It's, it's, it's uh, not exactly working out. You make a great point there. And you have guys on your team that I think will draw a lot of trade value. Obviously with McCollum, Turner not so much, a lot probably next year. Uh, Nurkic if you want to do to go that way. But no, I, I, I agree. I'm no stranger to mediocre basketball. I'm, I mean, for God's sakes, I'm a, I'm a Nets fan. And I got to watch them blow 88 consecutive fourth quarter leads by numerous more than double digits in some cases. I, I, I get it. I also, there might be a trade here between our two teams that might work. Dinwiddie and Hollis Jefferson for McCollum and probably a second round pick. That that might be something to chew on if you're the if you're the Trailblazers. And, and we, the Blazers did draft Ronnie Hollis Jefferson as well and traded him for Mason Plumley, so it'd be it'd be a nice full circle there. And I do like Dinwiddie's game. Hollis Jefferson looks like he needs a change change of scenery. I like Dinwiddie, but sometimes he's just an absolute headache with the shots that he that he puts up. But it's more focused around Hollis Jefferson. I love the guy. I think he's a really good player, but with the, the way he's been playing the past couple of years and uh, just a steady decline of performance, I think he is a tremendously talented player, but he definitely needs a change, a ch- a change of scenery. And to go to a team like Portland who could be a playoff team and play with Lillard and sort of see what that's kind of like, I think it would benefit him, and I think he would become a better player for the Trailblazers. And in return, we get McCollum to try to change the the rap that we were talking about earlier with the inability to sign free agencies, free agents here in New York. If if the Nets have McCollum, that's a definite selling piece to try to build the core around McCollum and uh, D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also think Dinwiddie, as good of a player as he is, he's always going to be a six-man here. D'Angelo Russell is unequivocally the star player on this team, and that's just the way it goes. If you go to a Nets game, all the kids have on D'Angelo Russell jerseys. There's a few... Dinwiddie jerseys mixed in there, but it's it's Russell and then Jared Allen. Dinwiddie, again, as great as a player as he is, and he's extremely talented, he just went off for, as Ronnie Hollis Jefferson called it, a hood 40. He went off for 39 last night in uh, in Philly, and the reason why it's called a hood 40 is because you round up in the hood. And I, I love that quote from Rondé. That, that might be a mainstay here on this podcast. But, no, I, getting those two guys – in, in Portland, and then the return here in Brooklyn would be tremendous, I think, for both teams. And the Nets could feature a lineup of 
Napier, McCollum, Crab, and Ed Davis. So, <laughs> yeah, that chemistry. You can you can have Alan Crabb back too if you want. He's been terrible for the Nets. Yeah, I, I, I mean I figured he would have declined at some point, but I, I didn't think it'd be that soon for for the Nets. That that stuff. He's, he's got a flat contract too, so. I li- I like him. He's a great three point shooter when he's on, but he has been pitiful to start the season so far this year for us. I, I'm hoping that he turns it around because. He could be a tremendous piece for us, but he's been playing like hot, gar- like hot garbage um, for us this year. So, who knows? Yeah, the Blazers will take anything at this point. So. <laughs> it's been good talking to you, man, and we're now entering the credits, so if you got anything to plug, now's the time. Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Dayton underscore Brown underscore. Uh, recording the Huda Dish podcast weekly. Uh, you can follow that at the WDD podcast. Um, and tweet more about basketball now that the season's really ramping up. I don't, I don't, I don't tend to like to talk too much basketball beginning of the season because I'm still trying to figure out the identity of teams. But now that the season's over the quarter waypoint, um, getting into uh, and and the whole stretch of December and January, some of the more uh, ramped up basketball that you see right before the All Star break. So I'll be tweeting about that more if you want to follow me. And uh, um, we'll have Joe on the Who Dish podcast here soon uh, hopefully for some uh, little, little playoff thing we, we want to do some big playoff extravaganza but i uh, know always enjoy being on this uh, pod here with you joe thanks for having me on like i always say every time the invitation is always there um say hi to tyler for me uh, i love listening to you guys keep keep up the good work and best of luck to the saints in the playoffs because god knows the jets are out of it already <laughs> oh man oh man good hey hey though for the Jets and they got a bright future but yeah I appreciate the words man I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon we'll uh, sing to you as well keep up the good work all right brother I'll talk to you soon have a good one man